0: Shock and dismay in a Slovak courtroom. On September 3rd, a panel of judges found a well connected businessman, Marian Kochner, and his associate Alina Žuzova, not guilty of murdering journalist Jan Kuciak and his fiance Martina Kušnirova in February 2018. This was the most watched trial in Slovakia in a generation. Kutsiak and Kuznidova's murders sparked the biggest protest since the fall of communism 30 years ago, with demonstrators forcing out the prime minister, interior minister and chief of police, angry over what they saw as mafia-type structures ruling the country. The not guilty verdict came after nearly seven months of testimony. Prosecutors argued that Marian Kochner ordered Kutsiak's murder to stop the journalists' investigations into his activities, including alleged fraud and links to organized crime. Prosecutors thought they had enough circumstantial evidence, including two suspects who pled guilty. But the court said it wasn't enough for a conviction. As the verdict was announced, Jan and Martínez's families left the courtroom in devastation. The 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 decision throws the case back to a familiar state of impunity. Two hired killers and a confessed middleman are behind bars but whoever ordered the murder has not yet faced justice. This is the first episode of The Press Freedom Files, IPI's new global press freedom podcast. I'm Scott Griffin and the subject of today's episode is the murder of Jan Kuciak and the quest for justice. IPI closely monitored this case and was in the courtroom as the verdict was delivered. Today, to discuss the verdict's impact and the next steps, I'm joined by Beata Balagova, editor-in-chief of the leading Slovak daily SME, and Pavla Holtsova, an investigative journalist with the Organized Crime and Corruption Reporting Project. Hello to you both, and uh, welcome to the, the Press Freedom Files, IPI's podcast. Uh, thanks very much uh, to both of you for being here. I, I want to start off uh, today with the verdict itself. And um, Pavla, you were a colleague of Jan's and, and also attended the trial in person throughout the year, you were there in the court. What was your reaction when it became clear that uh, Kochner would be acquitted?
1: I was sad. I was frustrated. I was heartbroken. I was terribly tired. But at the same time, I trust the judges that they just did their job.
0: And what about you, Beata? You, you personally, obviously, and, and SME have been following this case since the beginning. You weren't there in the courtroom. But how did you feel upon hearing the news? What was your what was your initial reaction?
2: emotionally it was very similar to what Paula described and uh, i already uh, felt that we needed some kind of conclusion also because i could see that my colleagues are very tired and that exhausted because we need to understand that this process started really more than 2 years ago and and i felt that that uh, we, we really need need a conclusion for the story. And suddenly I felt that we are actually going back to the very beginning by, by this. And uh, I could not help actually, but thinking about the, the family, because anything we felt, like as Paula said, frustration, anger, and, and sadness, we need to multiply that for, for the family.
0: Yeah, and uh, the family I saw, I was also in the courtroom myself. They left immediately after the after it became clear where the decision was headed. I want to stay a little bit on, on the court case itself, um, because obviously this was a very closely watched trial. For many people, it was a test of the Slovak justice system. Um, but in the end, it's obvious that justice hasn't been served. We, we, we have uh, hit men who are, who are in jail, uh, and yet we don't know or we don't officially know who ordered the murder and that person is is still out there. So how could this have happened? How, what what went wrong uh, in the investigation or in the trial, uh, Pavla, in your view? How did we get to this situation uh, at the beginning of September?
1: I see this little bit as a leading question. Because, right, the, the justice was not served, but it doesn't mean that injustice was served. I think that we actually need to, you know, we we need to keep in mind that even if the verdict would uh, rule that Kochner and Juzova are guilty, they would definitely appeal. So yes, we would pro- most probably be in a position that would be much more simple and much more, you know, calming down the emotions of the public, but. Uh, it's gonna it, it would be pretty similar because one side or the other of this trial would appeal. So yeah, we, we don't have uh, the catharsis of the case so far, but we need to be patient. I still hope that you know the, the justice system would be able to, to find and sentence in the right way those who are guilty of the murder.
0: Yeah, I think that the question is in is in some way, though, you know, um, the, the the court reached a verdict uh, saying that there wasn't enough evidence. Um, how do you see this, Beat? I mean, was there not enough evidence? Uh, did something perhaps go wrong in the investigation or the prosecution? How did we get to this point, though?
2: Kochener definitely, and, and Zhuzhova, they definitely benefited from the doubt. And, and this is a, a quite a regular situation in penal uh, processes that if the court cannot unambiguously build up the case and feel that there cannot be any alternative versions of, of what happened and what, how the, the prosecution constructed the story, then uh, they don't say uh, guilty, but they, for now, Free the, the accused of of uh, the the guilt, and and this is what happened. And it was very important what Paula said uh, at the beginning that that uh, she trusts uh, the judiciary and and she trusts uh, that the judges are going to work on it. And I think that that. Uh, it is a hard work now to to explain the public that that we need to be patient and and that the court uh, operates outside of categories of you know revenge and anger and and even societal pressure and uh, it was for me it it was very interesting and important that right after the trial peter babi uh, the, the boss of of Jan Kuciak and friend, he said he he still believes Kochner is guilty, but he's going he's not going to attack the court. And uh, for for us journalists, still it doesn't mean that we cannot analyze the the decision. And I think this is the role we are facing now that that looking at uh, taking a close look at at the decision of the court. And also, perhaps uh, thinking more about the process itself, going back and and uh, take a couple of steps back and and uh, try to rethink the whole process, maybe going back with more doubt uh, you know and and look at how the prosecution pr- prosecution proceeded. So it definitely means more work also for us uh, journalists and uh, but it doesn't mean that now like it would be good to attack the court and and say that they they are corrupt uh, because uh even if uh, you know the trust in judiciary in slovakia is just like uh terribly low, it would be like uh even uh, a further step towards uh, you know creating chaos in in the
1: society
0: yeah how has the public seen the verdict actually you mentioned there's a general low trust in the judiciary, perhaps people were surprised uh, by the verdict. Uh, what, have you, what have your readers, how have your readers reacted uh, to this, Beata?
2: I think uh, that there was a massive disappointment that I could see in, in reactions that, that uh, the larger part of the society did expect that, uh, that uh, justice is delivered once Kochner is behind the bars. And actually, what, what the good news is for, for everybody who, who wishes so that he remained behind the bars. So it, it added a little bit hope to, to people that Kochner wasn't uh, the next day uh, released from, from custody. But but yes, I mean, and, and it, it added up to the public pressure under which the the court operates. And and when I was thinking about the position of the judges, I I didn't envy them for a second. But I I also have to add that that still, I mean, uh, not a single thing changes about how we view Kochner. Kochner remains a crook. Kochner remains the guy who appeared uh, from every biggest uh, scandal in Slovakia. Kochner is the guy who really bribed uh, and corrupted the judges and and uh, the former prosecutor general was almost like his uh, employee, employee and and this has not changed. I mean we still believe that this is so. And uh, and uh, we just need now to to wait until until the process continues and make sure that we continue watching and continue reporting.
0: Um, Pavlo, I want to come back to you. You were you worked with with Jan before, and you were also uh, after the murder uh, collaborating with other journalists uh, to continue the work that he was doing and, and also, obviously, investigate uh, this crime. Can you tell us a little bit about, about the work that was done after, after the murder and, 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 and what the importance of that is for you?
1: Right after the murder, we needed to finish the, the article that was concerning then Slovak Prime Minister Robert Fico and his possible links to Drangeta. We've been able, enormous effort. To, to finalize it and publish it within three days after the murder. And then uh, only later, by the end of 2019, 2019, we have started a project that today has a nickname, Kochner's Library, uh, because we were able to, to get a copy of the data collected by the police during the, the investigation of the murder. And uh, with this data, we we started to, to actually expose much more stories within this project. And actually, Bea and her team are part of the project. And I think it really has some impact in Slovakia. C-
0: can you tell us a little bit about what you were able to find? What what stories came out of this work?
1: Uh, some of the stories that I'd really consider important were about links of Marian Kochner to member of the Constitutional Court uh, about his uh, relationship with the General Prosecutor Biden, about him bribing some of the judges, or about how he used Alena uh, Juzova as a kind of a honey trap and producing kind of a compromise on powerful people.
0: You mentioned also Beata and her newspaper were part of this beata what was were you surprised by all of the material that came out of this investigation?
2: I cannot say i was uh, surprised but but uh, yes i i was some, somehow surprised by the depth of corruption. We knew that Kochner was well connected we we knew that uh, Kochner was operating in in a grey zone but only after we got access to to this data and and to the phone conversations he had with with a, a wide range of people we understood you know like the the scale of of him corrupting people when we looked at at some of the files we realized that he was sending messages and making phone calls al- almost every every minute so really, like his, his, his job was somehow to, to, connect, to, to create and, and dig this deep underworld, dig out uh, the deep underworld. And, uh, and as, as Paula said, like, we really learned that, that his connections reached as high as the constitutional court, uh, you know, like the prosecutor's office, the judges. And it's important to note that, based on journalists' investigation, the police was then able to to act. So, in many cases, uh, the the investigative journalists, uh, I wouldn't say that completely substituted the work of the police, but they made important steps on which the police was able to to build. And and here I I would add a a uh, Thought that it's okay for for the journalists to be uh, somehow partly investigators, but we don't want to be prosecutors. And and I think also this this uh, access showed that we we had to really think. And and in that I I also comment uh, the uh, Paula's uh, organization that that they really had like strict rules. How to release some of the information? So we understood that the goal is not to come up every day with a bombastic story and and you know entertain the public yet another Kochner story. But we, we wanted to take a very responsible approach and, and uh, work in a way that we don't endanger endanger the, the investigation and and that we we act really responsibly because that that's actually a huge power if if you suddenly get a whole a huge package of data where that is packed several people's private life and and their whole life actually
0: yeah and and this uh, brings me to to another question i mean the and i was asking about the the reaction of society to the verdict all of these things that were being revealed showed these connections between Kochner and and people in positions of power. and and I think that was also one of the reasons you know, behind the demonstrations after after Jan's killing was anger about corruption and and sort of mafia type structures. Obviously, you both have mentioned that we're still in the middle of this, you know, we're still in the middle of this of this process. Um, but do you think or do, do you have a feeling that everything that has happened that has come out since the murder um, is having an, or is having an impact uh, on these structures? Are, are we seeing an improvement um, in terms of revealing and changing um, the way that power is exercised in Slovakia? Beata? Have you seen a change in this over the past two and a half years?
2: Of course. If not else, like uh, Robert Fitzgerald, who you know, constantly denied and, and refused any responsibility for, for the murder of the journalist, He's no longer a prime minister. And I mean, it's a big thing. We, for a whole decade, were writing about these corrupt activities, and, and suddenly he's not there. And it was possible only because the society realized how a serious thing it 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 was that in a country where where you know we thought that okay it's bad enough that that uh, um, politicians verbally attack journalists but we had not expected that that uh, even someone would murder a journalist. Also, there is a massive. Uh, investigation into activities of judges and their contacts uh, several judges are now in pre-trial custody and it is the result of of uh young's work and and the subsequent response from the society and and the fact that this massive uh, public pressure actually made impossible for for uh, Politicians and, and people at, at powerful positions to pretend that nothing, nothing has happened. So, yes, there, we are on the road of improvement. But, but uh, still, there is so much work to do in reforming the prosecution, you know, like ensuring that the corrupt judges are actually, um, you know, taken to court and, and they are punished.
0: How about you, Pavla? Even um, with, with this bump in the road, uh, with with the acquittal, uh, do you see a sustainable um, a sustainable change uh, that's coming out of the reporting that you and others have been doing?
1: I do see, even not i all the time or always happy with the impact of the reporting. Uh, I see it as a progress, and let me just mention one more thing that actually I see the ruling of the judges as a sign of independence of the Slovak justice, that there are still judges who can actually stand the pressure from public or from media or from any kind of political will and rule according to, according to their best decision or responsibilities, so, Yes, I see that Slovakia is changing, and and let's hope it will go up to the end right way.
0: No, and I I completely agree with the point that both of you have made about I think about the the the, the judges and the court also showing independence from from all sides, um, and uh, it's it's one aspect of the of the decision that probably hasn't been so clear or, or covered so well uh, in the international reporting. But uh, Pavla, staying with you for for a minute, um, the fact remains that we have the murder of a journalist uh, that hasn't been solved. And and this means that someone was able to, we understand the case isn't finished, that it's headed for appeal, uh, but this is the fact that remains, that someone was able to get away so far with ordering the murder of a journalist. How does this impact... uh, the the way that investigative journalists in the region feel in terms of their safety? uh, Does it have an impact? Do they feel vulnerable? Do you and others feel vulnerable uh, in doing the reporting that you do?
1: Actually, I can't really speak for journalists in general. But yes, it somehow affected me a bit because it didn't prevent me from doing my job but I try to do it more carefully. Uh, I am trying to to always let someone know where I am, what kind of interview am I doing, if it may be uh, dangerous or not, uh, what they should do in case I wouldn't reply to their messages within 60 minutes and so on. So, yes, we are probably, the journalists, more aware that, uh, something that we can't imagine that could happen in our region actually happened.
0: How do you see this, Beata, as the editor of one of the the biggest papers in Slovakia? How how big of a concern is is safety, in the in the wake of this case?
2: I think I am more aware of all the possibilities that, that uh, and all the dangers that my reporters might face, and uh, I think I I just a Paula said, I'm thinking more and I am considering more before assigning a story to reporters. And we are thinking more seriously, also threat, uh, email, email threats, and and verbal attacks, because somehow we understand that that it's, uh, it's not only just a you know, meaningless, uh, anonymous, anonymous email, but that it also, you know, especially threats uh, under the stories and and uh, on Facebook and threats that it, it really contributes to the atmosphere in the society and and um, more open and and uh, more support politically supported uh, these verbal threats are. Perhaps it's a. Uh, uh, it might seem more acceptable for someone to even physically attack a journalist. So yes, it's, it, it, uh, it made us more careful, but it really doesn't, uh, have an impact on our determination or, you know, the way we, we throw ourselves into stories. And, and I, I have not not met a single journalist who, who was, who, who rejected a story because, uh, he or she was afraid or, or, you know, someone who would have retreated from, from really wanting to, to, do investigative uh, stories. More, more, uh, I think larger impact uh, is, is the exhaustion. And, and, you know, that the fact that after two years, I can see that even my colleagues are, are, are getting tired, like, like, not tired in in a mental way that you know like i'm tired of it but really uh it it has been such an exhausting two years and and it was like a continuous work i mean we had to deal with Kochner almost every day and we can see it also on the readers and 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 this gets back gets us back to the trial and and the verdict that that uh part of the response is also that that uh, the public is tired. And and uh, that uh, basically we were feeding Kochner stories to the public or like almost every day, and, and that people feel that we need some light at the end of the tunnel now and, and we need to feel that some type of justice is being done.
0: I want to end by asking you precisely what makes you feel still optimistic uh, that justice, that there will be justice uh, for the families, and when I mean justice, I mean that that at the end of the day, someone will be held accountable for for ordering for ordering the murder.
2: I think it's the fact that the society moved ahead. I think it's the fact that that uh, we saw those demonstrations, and and I I don't think that the the society would take in a situation that that uh, you know the mastermind of of uh, the Kutsiak murder escapes uh, punishment, and also we we do already have a very traumatizing case like the kidnapping of the son of uh, the former president and it's like uh, 25 years on and and it's still left unpunished and so I don't think that this society is ready to take on yet another such case so I think there always be public pressure to to have this case wrapped up and uh, I, I'm also hopeful that you know the prosecution and and the investigators uh, will just go back and and uh, that they will be able to to come up with with new evidence and um, to give more support to to the story they present to the court or perhaps the the Supreme Court will see the the whole process uh, more convincing and that they, they basically will return the case to the, to the special court.
0: Pavla, how about you? What, what, uh, what makes you feel hopeful still that this case will have a positive ending in terms of justice?
1: Because I believe that the evidence is there, the case file, it just needs to be probably presented in a convincing way. That's what keeps me hopeful.
0: Well, we'll see what happens as as the case heads to appeal at the Supreme Court. Um, I want to thank uh, both Beata and Pavla for joining us today on this episode of of the Press Freedom Files, IPi's Global Press Freedom Podcast. Uh, thank you very much to both of you for this interesting and important conversation.
1: Thank you. Thanks for inviting us. Bye bye.
0: You've been listening to the Press Freedom Files, IPI's global press freedom podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. And if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to share it. You can listen to more episodes or read more about our work, including our coverage of the Jan trial on our website, ipi.media. You can also find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Also follow us on social media. We're at Global Free Media on Twitter and Facebook and at Global Free Media underscore IPI on Instagram. Thanks and see you next time on the Press Freedom Files.